short of a constitutional crisis if a Conservative government in Westminster attempted to impose a new or differential human rights arrangement on the devolved countries. After years of less than robust defence of the Human Rights Act on Labour's part, the leader of Her Majesty's opposition, Harriet Harman, chose the day after the official celebrations at Runnymede to point out the impossibility of the Prime Minister's position. In a stirring speech whose argument was animated by her own long career, Harman spoke first of the experience of being a young lawyer at liberty, bullied by the authorities and ultimately vindicated by the European Court of Human Rights. Then, with considerable humility, she spoke of being frustrated by the tempering effect of human rights protection as a cabinet minister. But she acknowledged the importance of checks on executive action and, accompanied by new MP and former Director of Public Prosecutions Keir Starmer QC promised that her party would be part of the broad movement and cross-party, non-party coalition to save the Human Rights Act. It was a reflective, non-tribal speech from a resilient veteran of British politics with whom I have often sparred. Perhaps the optimism and idealism of the pre-war on terror, pre-Iraq war Labour Party might yet return. Similarly, Conservatives who back the HRA are also finding their voice. Many from across the spectrum of the party are opposed to the government's deployment of a divisive dog whistle on fundamental rights. Conservative lawyers remember their honourable contribution to the drafting of the European Convention, something commonly seen as Churchill's legacy. And their consistent calls for it to be incorporated into UK law right up to the passing of the HRA in 1998. The former Attorney-General, Dominic Grieve QC, widely respected across politics and the law, is their natural leader and conscience. There are others too. Former Ministers Ken Clark and David Davis, from the left, Europhile and right, Eurosceptic wings of the party respectively, are also united on this issue. Big political beasts coming together in defence of human rights and the rule of law. The list includes dozens more politicians either publicly or, at the time of writing, privately opposed to the repeal of our Human Rights Act. On the same day as Harriet Harman's intervention, Mayor of London and Cabinet member Boris Johnson also voiced his own concerns about whether MPs should tolerate their constituents being given less protection than they currently enjoy under the Human Rights Act. Every victim of abuse of power who has been empowered or protected by the Act has a constituency MP who knows full well the ease with which the innocent may become suspect and the vulnerable be neglected and ignored. These MPs at times lead a split existence, on the one hand goaded by pundits and kettled by the whips of their respective parties seemingly engaged in an unending arms race on immigration, security and crime. On the other, confronted in their constituency surgeries and elsewhere with the humanity left behind, whether victims of negligence or abuse by local authorities, the borders agency or police. And they also know, often from bitter experience, that not all newspaper reporting including of human rights cases, is accurate or fair. The Liberal Democrat Party may have been decimated in the recent general election as a result of its coalition experience, but there are Liberals in other parliamentary parties, 
and the new political moment may actually lead to a broader and deeper coalition than can ever be stitched up by two party leaders alone. This is my hope. It isn't just the liberty of the United Kingdom at stake. The impact of our poor, Janus-faced leadership on human rights is already being felt elsewhere. Where would human rights in Europe be without Britain's support for universalism? Ask the bereaved families of those murdered in the Beslan school massacre in Putin's Russia. This is what they said in the Strasbourg court in 2014. The European Court of Human Rights exists as a deterrent to totalitarian regimes like Russia. It works to deter Putin's imperialistic behaviour. If the UK was to withdraw, it would be an excuse for our government to say, we don't want it either. Putin would point at the UK straight away. It would be a catastrophe.